Yeah, I'm Jim Nolan. I'm a private investigator working for my dad's firm in Boston. Perhaps you've heard of dad, Albert Nolan? A lot of his cases were written up in PI Magazine. He and Gladys, that's my mother, have been running this office since I was in high school. Now dad is missing. He hasn't returned from investigating the Laurel case up in Maine. I've come back to work with mom until he returns. He will return. I will find him. It's only a matter of time. Misfits Audio is proud to present Jim Nolan, Private Eye. Episode 4 is entitled, The Harriet Webster Murder Case. How are you doing, Mom? Okay, Jim. Did you have any trouble finding the place? No trouble. The Winston's Funeral Home sign is pretty visible from the main road. I'm sorry for your loss, Mrs. Norlin. Thank you, Trudy. I still can't believe someone did this to Harriet. She was such a sweet woman. I've been talking with Lieutenant Carmichael. Is there some place we can talk in private? There's a little sitting room downstairs. Trudy, would you mind if Mom and I talked alone for a few minutes? Not at all. I have to go powder my nose anyway. In here, Jim. Why don't you sit down, Mom? I'd rather stand. If you say so. How are you and your sorority sisters doing? We're all right. I haven't seen many of them in years. I only wish this reunion were under better circumstances. So do I. You, um, mentioned Walter Carmichael? Yeah, I saw him today. He'd like to talk with you when you have the time. Of course, whatever I can do. The funeral is tomorrow morning. I could see Walter after the services and the home visit, maybe around three, unless you need me. See him first. The office can wait. I'll tell him to expect you around three o'clock. I'll meet you there. Thank you. Are you sure that won't be too much too soon for you? It'll be okay. I don't want to delay the investigation. Whoever murdered Harriet may still be in Boston. I don't want to give him time to get away. Harriet Webster, one of Gladys' sorority sisters from her college days, has been murdered shortly after starting a new life in Boston. Gladys is understandably distraught, but she knows not to waste time that could be spent looking for the murderer. With Jim's help, the hunt for the culprit is on. In... The Harriet Webster murder case. Gladys, Jim, thanks for coming. You're welcome, Walter. Same here. Please have a seat. Can I get either of you something? Coffee? Nothing for me. No, thank you. Gladys. Let me offer you my condolences. Thank you, Lieutenant. You know, of course, that the police department will do everything we can to find whoever committed this crime. I know that. I want to be in on this, Lieutenant. I don't see why not. If it's okay with Harriet's family, of course. I asked Charlie, Harriet's ex-husband, about Jim investigating. He's fine with it. Then it's settled. Is Mr. Webster still in town, Mom? He's staying at the Olympic Hotel. 
He said he'll be there another couple of days. Lieutenant, I assume you're already investigating what part Mr. Webster may have had in this. He's already been cleared. So soon? The coroner estimates that Mrs. Webster died Monday between the hours of 7 and 10 p.m. from multiple stab wounds. Oh, I'm sorry, Gladys. It's okay, Lieutenant. Go on. Her ex-husband has an ironclad alibi. Witnesses? About a hundred of them. A hundred witnesses? Between those hours, Mr. Webster was at a business conference in Springfield. Starting at approximately 8.30, he gave a speech before about 100 people. That rules him out. Unless he hired someone. Charlie would never do that. He loved Harriet very much. You would know, Gladys. What have you found at Harriet's apartment? The perpetrator evidently gained access through a jammied window in the bathroom. Didn't leave behind any prints that we can find. From the broken furnishings, there must have been quite a struggle. We found Mrs. Webster's body lying across the kitchen threshold. Have you matched the blood? According to the medical records, Mrs. Webster had a blood type O positive. The boys in the lab have taken some samples from the tiles and the rug to see if the murderer left behind any of his blood. Are you all right, Mom? Yeah, it's strange. I worked on so many cases with you and Albert. I've heard these kinds of details dozens of times, but when it's someone you know... Are we about done here, Lieutenant? Just a a few more questions. Sure. I understand that Mrs. Webster had just moved into the city. That's right. She and her husband lived in a big house in the suburbs for years, until they divorced. She'd only been in her apartment for about two weeks. Did she call you when she moved? She did. We got together for lunch. You remember that, Jam? I do. She loved her apartment. She'd landed a new job at an advertising agency. I think she said what she really was enjoying. She was sad about the divorce, of course. She said that she still loved Charlie and that the two of them had simply grown apart. She was looking forward to getting her new life going. Did she mention any men in her life? No. She had barely been divorced, Lieutenant. I'd like a chance to look at her apartment. I thought you might. I'll tell the boys to expect you. When do you think? Are we done here? Yes. I I want to take Mom home first. You don't have to do that, Jim. I want to. How's 4.30, Lieutenant? I'll let them know. Thank you both. Again, Gladys, my condolences. Jim, you didn't have to bring me home. I could have taken the bus. I know, but it makes me feel better. Can I get you anything before I leave to go see the apartment? No. You've done so much already. I'll see you later at the office, if not in the morning. You don't have to come to work, Mom. I know. I want to. Working is a normal thing. It will help keep my mind off of it. If you say so. You make your own schedule for a while. Come and go whenever you choose. Do you think Harriet's murderer can be caught? Anyone can be caught. We'll find him. I left Mom and drove over to Harriet's apartment. It was a three-family home. Harriet had rented out the first floor. It was a neat little house, red brick with an in-need-of-paint white picket fence framing two small patches of lawn in the front. A few police cars were parked outside. 
I walked down the driveway and saw the bathroom window that had been jimmied. There was no sign that the culprit had left behind any clues in the window frame. He had also left no footprints outside. Even with my height, I could easily reach the window while standing in the driveway. I walked around to the front of the house and went inside. There was a stairwell to the left, which led up to the apartment on the second floor where the landlady lived, although she was away on vacation, and to the apartment on the third floor, which was currently unoccupied. A corridor to the right led to Harriet's front door. I waited for a break in the parade of police officers and then walked into the apartment. I introduced myself to Sergeant Morganelli, who was in charge. He said that he had heard from Carmichael that I might be coming. He gave me a quick tour of the apartment. It was a nice little place, or it had been before the struggle that broke so many of the furnishings. Harriet had obviously kept it neat as a pin. As you walked through the door, you entered the living room which had been done up nicely with bright wallpaper and colorful artwork. Standing in the living room, the kitchen was in front of you, the bedroom behind you. Morganelli took me to the kitchen threshold where Harriet's body had been found. A white chalk outline showed that spot clearly. The police had tagged the areas where the blood samples had been taken for examination. Some blood was still visible between the kitchen tiles and standing the living room rug. I took one final poke around, thanked the sergeant, and went back outside. I stood on the sidewalk in front of the house taking in the scene. What a shame this was. A woman's life snuffed out just as she was getting a fresh start. I sighed and started back to the office. That's when I noticed the row of three mailboxes in front of the house. The first one had been labeled, One, Webster. I was reaching to close the hatch which had fallen open when I noticed the letter waiting in the back. I nonchalantly pulled it from the box, hiding it as best as I could. It was addressed to Harriet. There was a Boston postmark on it, but no return address. Looking around, I carefully slid the letter into my jacket pocket and started towards the office. You took it from her mailbox? I did. You know, that's a federal offense. I won't tell anyone if you don't. It's open. You've read it. Oh, yeah. What's that mean? Read it yourself. You'll see. My dearest Harriet, my heart jumped for joy when I heard that you were moving to Boston. The time we spent together a few months ago was the happiest of my life. While I am truly sorry to hear of your divorce... I hope that we can renew the relationship that gave us both strength. You know how to reach me. Love, Marty. Wow. Any idea who Marty is? None. I didn't know that Harriet was in the city in September. She never called? No. Nolan Investigations? Yes. Hold on, Lieutenant. Jim, it's for you, Lieutenant Carmichael. This is Nolan. The lab came back with the blood analysis. What's the deal? I told you that Harriet had O positive blood. You did? Well, the lab also found traces of O negative blood. The killer evidently cut himself breaking in. Sounds like an amateur to me. Exactly what I was thinking. Not a professional job at all. Have you learned anything else? Maybe. I'm not sure. I'll have to get back to you. What's going on? The lab came up with some O-negative blood at the crime scene in addition to Harriet's O-positive. If Harriet came to Boston in September, she had to stay somewhere. Would you say that you were the closest friend she had? I don't know about the closest, 
but we were close. Do any of your other sorority sisters live around here? No. She probably stayed at a hotel then. We have to check that out. That's a tall order. Do you know how many hotels there are in this city? Lots. More than lots. I'm sure you'll track it down. Me? I've got to arrange a meeting with Harriet's ex-husband at the Olympic Hotel. Do you think Harriet could have stayed at the Olympic too? Possibly. Let's rule some hotels out. How? Would it be fair to say that Harry was pretty high class? I'd say so. Then she wouldn't have stayed in any flea bags. Check the high-end hotels. The ones with amenities. That's still a tall order. You're right. But it's shorter than before. I got in touch with Charlie Webster. He said that he would be happy to answer any questions I might have. He suggested we meet in the hotel bar at 6.30. I saw Webster sitting at a dark table in the corner of the bar. He had an empty glass in front of him and he was working on emptying another one. As you might imagine, for a man who had just buried his ex-wife, he was pretty drawn. He looked to be in his mid-fifties. His blonde hair was turning salt and pepper and thinning. He had noticeable bags under his eyes, and he wore a pencil-thin mustache. I walked over to him. When he stood to greet me, I saw that he was about six foot tall. Mr. Webster? Mr. Nolan, please, have a seat. Thank you. My condolences. Thank you. How is your mother doing? She's holding up. I'll tell her you were asking about her. Please do. Uh, May I order you a drink? No, thanks. I'm working. A soft drink, perhaps? Sure. How about a ginger ale? Karen, a one ginger ale, please, on my tab. Thanks. How are you doing? Uh, As well as can be expected, I suppose. Have you ever lost someone very dear to you, Mr. Nolan? Friends and some cousins. Nothing like your loss. Thank you, Karen. Harriet was a wonderful person. Charming. Beautiful. Our divorce tore me apart. I'm sure it did. We tried so many ways to patch things up. Sadly, nothing worked. Maybe if we had tried a little more. Mr. Webster, my mother told you that I'm working on this investigation with the police department? She did. She spoke very highly of you and your abilities. I need to ask you some questions. I hope they're not too personal. If my answers will help you track down Harriet's killer, nothing you could ask would be too personal. We believe that Harriet visited Boston for a short time in September. Is that true? Yes, I remember that. May I ask the purpose of that visit? We were trying to save our marriage. I don't understand. Our problems had really come to a head over the summer. Both of us were irritable and bitter. I suggested we take a short break from each other and assess our marriage. Since I had so much going on in my business, I thought that Harriet should visit the city for a while to get away. I hoped this separation would enable both of us to clear our minds and return fresh and able to solve our problems. It didn't work. Do you know if she met anyone during that time anyway? I suppose you're implying a male, anyone? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. No apology necessary. That I'm aware of, the answer is no. Do you know otherwise? No, I don't know for sure. I believe it's possible that she may have met the man who killed her during her September stay in the city. Oh, no. 
Do you know where she stayed during that visit? Well, she stayed here. We always stayed at the Olympic when we were in the city. Thank you for your time, Mr. Webster. And thanks for the drink. Investigations. I thought you might still be there, Mom. You should be at home. Did you meet Charlie? I did. He knew all about Harriet's September visit. Why'd she come to town? I'll tell you all about it later. I wanted to tell you to stop looking for the right hotel. Mr. Webster said Harriet came here in September, to the Olympic. I hadn't gotten to that one yet. I was going alphabetically. Charlie asked me to give you his best. Isn't he sweet? Mom... I'm going to see the desk clerk about getting a look at the September register. I want you to call it a night. But... But nothing. I'll be home as soon as I'm done here. You need your rest. Tomorrow's another day. I'll tell you everything tomorrow morning. Okay. I'll see you in the morning. May I help you, sir? You may. My name is Jim Nolan. Do you have a reservation, Mr. Nolan? No, I... Then would you like one? We have a charming room. No, I'm afraid you don't understand. I don't want a room. You don't? No. But this is a hotel. I'm aware of that. Renting rooms is what we do. Why would... Will you please leave the bell alone, sir? We got off on the wrong foot. Let's start again. My name is Jim Nolan. I neither have nor want a room. I'm a private detective, and I'm investigating the Harriet Webster murder case. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yes, I have. Ghastly business. Earlier, you asked how you could help me. So I recall. I have reason to believe that some information important to this investigation is in your hotel's register for this past September. I'd like to see it. No. No? No. The hotel does not share such information. Our guests value their privacy, and we value our guests. I'm not looking to intrude on anyone's privacy. I merely want to see if a certain person was a guest of your hotel three months ago. No, sir, I cannot. I guess I didn't make myself clear. I'm working on this investigation with the police department. I understand, sir, but you are not a police officer. No, I told you that already. Then I cannot show you the register for September or for any other month, Mr. Nolan. We would grudgingly share that information with the police department, but only with them. May I see the manager? He's out to dinner right now. He'll be back in an hour or so. Do you make it a habit to be rude to people? I'm not being rude. I'm merely stating the Olympics' policies. Do I need to call the police department and get someone down here before you'll let me see the register? That would be a good start. Lieutenant Carmichael won't be too happy when he gets here. A police lieutenant's happiness is no concern of mine. Your boss won't be too happy with you when he returns either. On the contrary, 
He will be pleased that I upheld the hotel's policies regarding guest privacy. Oh, I'm not talking about that. What then? Don't you see it? See what? You really don't see it? See what, sir? You must be pretty new here. The fire hazards. <laughs> the Olympic has no fire hazards. You obviously don't know the fire safety rules, then. Why, there are at least four that I can see right here in the lobby. You're joking. Certainly not. You know, as a concerned citizen, I really should report this to the fire marshal. Sir, wait. You can't do that. Why not? The hotel is nearly full. What would happen to our guests? What would happen to them if a fire broke out? But, sir... Don't worry. You can probably have all the hazards fixed in a few weeks. You won't have to shut down for long. Shut down? Well, of course. You can't keep the hotel open with such problems. It's not safe. But we have hundreds of guests arriving over the next few weeks. Several conventions are coming to town. Well, that's too bad. I'm sure they'll be able to find other accommodations. Yeah, unless... Uh, unless what, sir? I might be persuaded not to report these problems to the fire marshal if I could have a look at the September register. I see. You scratch my back? The register is in the office. I'll get it for you. Thank you. And a cup of coffee, black, would be great, too. The clerk brought me the September register. It didn't take long to find Harriet's signature. She arrived on September 6th and departed on September 11th. I didn't notice any Marty among the guests during that time, though. Your coffee, sir. Thanks. I'll be sure to tell the police department how cooperative you were. I'd appreciate that. There is one other thing. The police are also looking for a Marty or a Martin, who was at the hotel during that time. As a guest? Maybe. Maybe as an employee. Were you here in September? I was. The only employee named Martin I can think of was Martin Black. He worked here for a brief time as a waiter in our restaurant. He was let go last month because of repeated complaints about, um, inappropriate comments directed at some female guests. Would you have an address for him? I seem to recall that he had an apartment on Madison Street. I can't remember the exact number. Thank you. You've been very helpful. Thank you, sir. Mmm, good coffee. You'll be sure to get the fire hazards fixed. Just think how impressed the boss will be. I went home and called Carmichael. I told him of my suspicions about Martin Black and told him about the letter I'd found. He agreed that Black should definitely be investigated. I found Black's Madison Street address in the phone book. Carmichael told me to meet him at Black's apartment tomorrow morning at 7.30 and to bring my gun. good idea you had, Mrs. N. The three of us haven't had breakfast together in some time. We're glad to have you over, Trudy. We haven't seen much of you since you returned from Florida. Don't I know it. Sorry, hon. <laughs> I've been busy. I know you have. It's all right. When we get married, hint, hint, I'm sure I'll be waiting up nights worrying about you. You get used to it. I doubt I'll still be here then. Dad will be back and I'll return to my bland real estate job I'll be home every night by 6 o'clock. From 
Your mouth to God's ears. You mentioned your dad. Tell me more about that letter. Well, like I said, it was waiting for us at the diner. It's proof that dad is alive. And there's been nothing else concerning him since? Unfortunately not. What a shame. With all the trips you and Lieutenant Carmichael have taken to Brunswick, you'd think that something would have turned up. Yes, you certainly would. Trudy, how did you know about Brunswick? Huh? Brunswick, Maine. How did you know that was the city in Maine that Dad went to? You told me. Did I? I don't know that I ever did. Well, then it must have been Gladys. What must have been Gladys? Did you mention to Trudy about Brunswick being the city in the Laurel case? I don't remember. I may have. It's hardly a secret, Jim. She must have heard it somewhere. That's right, honey. I've got to go. I promised Lieutenant Carmichael I'd meet him at 7.30 at Black's place. Be careful, dear. Don't either of you worry. I have my gun and Lieutenant Carmichael will have his. I arrived at Black's apartment just before 7.30. The rumble of thunder was in the air. The forecast was calling for rain later. The building Martin Black lived in was run down and dirty, nothing like Harriet Webster's place. Carmichael arrived minutes later, and together, we walked up the stairs to Black's apartment. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Sorry for the early hour, but I wanted to be certain to catch Mr. Black at home. Gotcha. Who is it? Police! Open up! Uh, Carmen. My credentials? Looks good to me. Come on in. Can I get you guys some coffee? None for me. No. Thanks. I'm gonna have a cup. I can't start my day without this stuff. Sit down, please. I'm Lieutenant Carmichael. This is Mr. Nolan. Pleased to meet you. Say... That's a nasty scar on your right hand. Uh, this little thing? It's not too bad. I cut myself in the kitchen the other day. I bet you lost some O-negative blood? Huh? Mr. Black, are you the same Martin Black who was employed by the Olympic Hotel until earlier this year? Yeah. You don't work there anymore? No, there was a misunderstanding. That's not what we heard. Look, they didn't prove nothing. We're not here about your actions at the hotel. You're not? No. We have some questions to ask you about Harriet Webster. In the blink of an eye, Black threw his hot coffee at me and bolted for the door. Though we had been caught by surprise, Carmichael and I managed to subdue him and drop him to the floor. The lieutenant got Black's hands behind his back, cuffed him, and read him his rights. Black was squirming and complaining the whole time. Then Carmichael hoisted Black to his feet. Did he burn you with that coffee, Jim? No, fortunately he's a lousy shot but he ruined a perfectly good shirt. Do you have anything to say for yourself, Black? I didn't do nothing. Fess up, mister. We've got the goods on you. Why'd you do it, Black? Why? Because she dumped me. That's why. That little... So you killed her? When she came to town, back in September, we had a good thing going. You know what I mean. When I heard she had divorced and was coming back to Boston, I thought, here's my chance. She laughed at me. She said that what we had was only a fling and that it could never amount to anything. She laughed at me. I decided if I couldn't have her, no one would. 
so I made my plans to break into her place and take care of business. No dame dumps Marty Black and gets away with it. Don't worry, Marty. Where you're going, you won't have to worry about a woman dumping you ever again. Isn't it a nice headstone, Jim? Very nice. Harriet W. Webster. What's the W for? Wilhelmina. Really? She said it was after a great aunt, I think. She didn't use it much. I can see why. Yes, it certainly is a nice stone. Thanks for driving me out here. You're welcome. I'm going to go sit in the car for a bit with Trudy and give you some time alone. Thank you. I'll only be a couple of minutes. Take your time. Whenever you're ready. Harriet, it's Gladys. Jim and Walter Carmichael found Martin Black, though you probably know that by now. He's already confessed. He'll be sentenced in a couple of weeks. He should go to prison for the rest of his life. Jim's given Charlie all the details. I suppose these roses are from him. I miss you, Harriet. I always will. You were like a sister to me. There were a lot of times in college when I wouldn't have made it through that day without your help. Thanks for all the good times, all the memories. Rest in peace, my friend. Special thanks to our regular cast members, Russell Gold as Jim Nolan, Joyce Bender as Gladys Nolan, Brian Bedard as Lieutenant Walter Carmichael, Tracy Hall as Trudy Williams, and Katie Daynert as the narrator. And to our guest stars, Joe Stovko as Charles Webster, April Sadowski as the desk clerk, and John Specht as Marty Black. Jim Nolan, Private Eye, was created by Mike Murphy and Arlene Osborne. The Harriet Webster murder case was written by Mike Murphy. Music for the series was composed and performed by Vivian Dosco. Please hear more of her wonderful music at myspace.com slash Vivian Dosco. That's V-I-V-I-A-N-D-O-S K-O-W Producer, Captain John Tadrzak Assistant Producer, Mike Murphy Mixer, John Specht Editor, Arlene Osborne Webmaster, April Sadowski We would also like to thank Captain John Tadrzak of Misfits Audio for airing this show Mike Murphy, the author of this story gratefully acknowledges the continued help of Arlene Osborne in the betterment of his scripts This production is for enjoyment purposes only I'm your narrator, Katie Daynard. This is an original production by Misfits Audio, copyright 2009.